Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Because you try and play both things. You try and yeah. play the mistakes that you're making because your fingers <laughs> want to do that. And then you try and play the bit that is correct and try and overlay them in some way yeah. so that it then becomes right. But actually the way to do it is erase that bit in entirety from your from your memory and from your fingers and just just kind of learn it correctly slowly and build it up. But it's a really difficult thing to do once you've already learned it <laughs> like wrong. Greetings, welcome to another Guitar Smarts podcast. Thank you very much for joining us this week. This week, Kieran and I are discussing practicing and uh, guitar practice in general. Again, it's about six months since we had our first discussion about this and we thought we would revisit just to see how we've got on over the last six months of trying to instigate some kind of practice regime and how we feel about our guitar skills and our practice now in our lives and what we're going to do to move on from that. Remember to follow us on our social media pages as well. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash guitar smart and also on Instagram at the handle at guitar underscore smarts and if you feel like spending some money then you can come and spend some money on our merchandise store at Etsy so you can find the link for that in the description but if you don't fancy some merch but you do want to support the show um, then you can buy us a coffee at buyersacoffee.com forward slash guitar smarts remember as well to leave a rating and a review for the podcast in your favourite podcast app that really helps us to get the show into the ears of, of more listeners and more guitarists looking for a podcast to listen to um, that's super helpful if you could do that and also just one last thing is our podcasts are coming to YouTube soon so if you do like to listen to podcasts on YouTube that's going to happen soon as well anyway that's enough waffle from me let's get to it anyway how are you doing buddy well I'm really good mate it's a smart new haircut there <laughs> <laughs> John, look how grey I'm going. Ah, oh, dude, it happens to the best of us. Incredibly grey now. <laughs> I don't mind it, actually, but... No. It's just only, like, meeting, like, calls like this, so I go, oh, cray, look at that. <laughs> it's just almost entirely grey. Look at the beard. I know, that's cool. At least it matches. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? There's more guitars behind you. They are they're growing. Well, it's kind of. So obviously I've got the two. I've got the Les Paul and the and the Strat. Yeah. I got that bass. Yeah. Um, 
and I got two more matching um, hangers to put on the wall. So that little yeah. acoustics one I bought my wife for her birthday a couple ah. of years ago. Oh, so, I didn't so realize. I was kind of, yeah. She wanted to learn guitar, and she's picked up a few chords and stuff like that, but yeah. never got any further than that. But yeah, that's hers. And I thought, well, I've got two hangers, so I've got to put. And I said oh, to Lucy, I said it doesn't really hang very well on that hanger, so I might have to just get something else now that the hanger's up because I can't have something, can't have a hanger on the wall, and not a guitar to put on it. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's all kinds of kinds just of sad, isn't like it? This. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping my eye out for something second hand. Excepting the fact that she's lost her guitar now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll buy another one as well. Good man. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah cool. man. Yeah, it's nothing new. I am um I am uh, I, I said I think I said this to you last week, but I literally just changed out of my entire rig and done done the pedal board and we spoke about yeah, it last week. And I we am did. Like I, I, I'm like, what's, what's? I've just done three gigs, right? This, this summer, I've done three wedding gigs, and I can honestly say, in three gigs, two hours of playing guitar per gig, I haven't heard myself playing all once. I know. I got your message, and and it made me very sad because you yeah. put in all this effort and uh, <laughs> kind of you got this beautiful rig, and then really, you you couldn't, you just could not hear. Anything you were doing? It'd be, you know, and certain songs, there was a little bit, but not not to any point where, and I know if I, not, not to any point where I got the benefit of the rig that yeah. I had. Yes. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't hear myself well enough to go, oh, this sounds great. It was just kind of like, well, um, I'm assuming it sounds okay. I'll mm-hmm. just keep playing until the end of the gig kind of thing. And I thought, yeah. well, what's the point in this? Why not? Why have the kind of, oh, excuse me, you just burped. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, have the kind of rig that I have if I'm not going to be able to um, to really kind of I, I can't you know I, I can't play it loud enough yeah. to to really hear it anyway um, and the kind of gigs that I do you know for for this wedding band you, you know that this last one I just had I was on a stage in a marquee where I stood on the stage my head was up into the fabric of the marquee it was the most uncomfortable thing ever <laughs> I had the keyboard player there uh, and I had the drums there so I had to play kind of sideways on the whole time because there was no room on this tiny little stage for a seven-piece band. So um, between the pedal board and my amp (sighs) was just enough space for my feet. Right. And and the guy who ran the band didn't book a sound engineer because he was kind of like, it's my PA, so I'll just do the sound myself. But he's playing the bass and we didn't get a sound check. So Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, there's no point me asking for him to put me in the monitors because the monitors are just for the singers, the way he Mm -hmm. set things up. The sound mm-hmm. coming from those monitors is terrible. Mm. And I was just stood there thinking, what is the point? What's the point mm. of trying to sound good when you don't have the opportunity to? Yeah. The gigs that I do. And I, and I thought it really does make sense. For me, it really does make sense for me to kind of um, change my approach, I think, and, mm-hmm. and actually go for a, um, you know, like a, a Helix into an FRFR kind of cab type thing mm-hmm. where I can have patches set up that I know sound good regardless Um of where I am that I can monitor myself from. You know, if I had like a helix, I'd be able to monitor. I, I, 
could take a you know an output from it just for myself, put it into yeah. my ears, whether yeah. I had a cab or not. Um, I'd be able to hear myself and could go straight into a desk. Um, and these things, you know, I've been doing so much reading up and listening to how these things are now. You know, with the latest updates on the Helix product range, they just sound immense. Hmm. You know, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm selling everything except my guitars. Everything. I love that. What a bold board, choice. The pedals, it. the cab, yeah. the power supply, the amp. Right. Everything. I'm going to sell everything. Um, with what I make, I'm going to get... Um, Basically, uh, as some kind of modeler, and it depends how much I make, but ideally something like the Helix Helix Floor LT, which is yeah. kind of the second one down from the top of the range model, yeah. um, and like a little Headrush FRFR cabinet, which mm-hmm. is like a, basically a powered monitor that yeah. I could have facing me, or I could have it behind me. It could be the amp. It could, you know, it doesn't have to be used depending. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change I everything think... over because I've had enough yeah. of not being able, had enough of yeah. having a great sounding amp and pedals and, yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. and just not being able to just it's a waste for me yeah well it's not a waste for you it's a way it's a waste based on the venues and restrictions that we find ourselves in like like you i mean i'm i'm going out with you know powerful gear that deserves to be played at a decent volume to really appreciate what it can do but there's very few venues where you know for the average jobbing uh you know weekend uh or kind of depping guitarist where you can really fully appreciate um all of that at a decent enough volume there have been some venues and some pubs that have been playing and um and and some little outdoor festivals and stuff where you can wind it up and you can go oh yeah this sounds great Mm. but but you get to some of these pubs and as you say some of them are tiny and the acoustics are terrible in there and you're just like right hmm how how," you know there's not enough space to to, to really drive this so it so so you never quite get the sound that you're looking for and, and, and so I think having that kind of solution that you've talked about being able to go direct into the desk have the monitoring that you need and just uh, simplify it but with some really great modeled tones that you know by all accounts these days don't even sound like they're modeled they just sound like great tones yeah so many people are doing it right so many yeah so all right, here we go. A new journey for you. That's it. One of my old ACM guitar tutors, um, Andy Jones, is just, yeah. he's on tour at the moment in Europe with uh, an orchestra doing, uh, they're doing an orchestrated uh, tour of, of uh, basically Led Zeppelin stuff. So cool. It's like Led wow. Zeppelin by orchestra of various singers, various guitarists. And his oh rig is just got, amazing. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And, yeah. and it's, uh, he's all over Europe with it and he's going into a helix, just helix yeah. on the floor straight into people. Yeah, a couple of guitars using a Variax um, no and a couple of other normal guitars. Um, that's it. That's all he's got. That's all he's flying with. Just a, three guitars in a flight case and a Helix. And that's it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> he wasn't tempted to go and buy like a £10,000 Gibson Jimmy Page replica. No. Wow, no. Strange. Weird. Yeah, it is strange that, isn't it? it is strange. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> well... Oh, mate, I look, I'm really looking forward to hearing about uh, this journey. Uh, I, I mean, mm-hmm. you're well-versed with, like, uh, trading gear, selling it, and, and getting new stuff, yeah. and getting, getting to grips with the kit. But, I, yeah, I want to. I, I can't wait to hear your your opinions on it, and if this is going to be now the way forward. Uh, mostly I just know I, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I just know. Yeah. I'm going to get one of these things, and I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to be able to use it USB into the laptop. I'm going to be able to use it standalone with headphones yeah. at a gig. Um however I want to use it it will, it will be any rig that I want it to be mm. and so I, I know it's just 
going to be brilliant. I just have to let go of the fact that it's not a, a kind of a glowing valve amp behind me that can sound fantastic, that could really sound like the kind of tones that you know I have in my head. But I'm never mm. going to have the opportunity to to create those tones in an authentic way. If I want, mm. if I, that's part of the problem, right? If I want to sound in you know at a gig like somebody who's playing through some kind of cranked plexi, um, mm. I'm not I'm never going to be able to do that in an authentic way. If I want to sound like somebody who's playing through um, you know a really nice clean Fender Super or something like that, again for me that's just impractical. It's never it's never mm. going to really work in a in any of the gigs that I do. So I need to find a way, and this is the way to have the sounds that I want in a practical way and um, and have all the advantages of the flexibility that that gives. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, I've kind of come to the conclusion this last week that I, I don't see myself as, I don't really see myself as a gigging guitarist anymore. As much as I enjoy gigging and I've missed it, I've done some gigs this summer and I keep thinking, well, do you know what? It's nice to have a handful of paired gigs a year for me to get yeah. out there and earn a bit of extra cash. I like going to jam nights. Already the the kind of, the, the process of being in a new band is something that um, has frustrated me because I, I reached oh, out to a nice. mate recently um and he wanted to start a new band as well and we got together for a jam with some other guys and yeah they all they all had very clear kind of um and and similar tests in the music they wanted to do and i was looking at all the suggestions thinking like 90 percent of what's in this i i don't want to play it's not a criticism mm-hmm. of, of them it's just um if i'm going to be in a band for my own fun i don't want to be doing music that i don't like and i thought this is just too much hard work I, i'd rather join a band that's already going doing stuff that I like or not being a band at all so yeah yeah there's a lot to be said for that I'm just gonna not, I'm not gonna chase that kind of plan anymore I'm going to just see what happens in the future if a band comes along that needs yeah. a guitarist and it's the kind of band I'd like to be in then so be it but until then I'm not gonna start anything or, mm. or you know mm. try and come up with a project or start my own band or anything like that I'm quite happy doing the podcast doing the occasional debt gig going to jam nights and, mm. and recording mm. and, and writing and just playing at home and practicing getting better mm. I'm enjoying being a home guitarist actually mm. yeah I've, I've noticed that yeah the pandemic's done that yeah yeah the amount of uh like ways in which you've pushed your playing and kind of really sought to to kind of keep you know challenging yourself that's been that's been really impressive to see over the last couple of years with the pandemic and things and um yeah i mean if that's what you're li- liking and enjoying i know i know the gigs that you've been doing recently ha- haven't haven't been doing much for you in terms of music and you know getting to to play the gear in the way that you want it to so yeah there comes a point where you go well you know that's that's not the right the right way forward but um you know these th- these things in life are, are, are transient and but i you know you go through through phases we all do right of um having the energy and the commitment uh to look and join a new band and get mm-hmm. out there and gig and build those relationships and it is hard work it really is it's it takes yeah. it takes a lot it takes a lot to do, to do it when you've got everything else in life you know other commitments work commitments family commitments friend commitments you know other hobbies other interests to, to kind of slot it all in so 
yeah, I do get, I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying, but um, I'm still going to keep pushing you to try and get out there and keep playing live because the world <laughs> needs, the world needs to hear you play. So. <laughs> no, for sure, man, for sure, for sure. Under the right circumstances, um, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have the energy to to force something to happen anymore. Yes, you I know, know the feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, man, yeah. and I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling, right? Yeah. Because. You know, what What we're ideally, a lot of us who are, uh, I guess, that fall into that camp of being non-professional musicians, but playing to a decent standard where, you know, we want to be able to be out and gigging, but we have other jobs and things. It's a really difficult thing to find a band that, that fits that bill, right? Which is, you know, uh, playing the type of music you want to play, got some gigs that, you know, allow you to get out, uh, out there and gig, but without having to hunt and chase down gigs and get them book up gigs. Cause that's a, that's a bloody full time job in itself. Yeah. Like just trying to fill the diary with gigs. And none of us have got time to do that. So you need to have somebody in the band like we had in Roadrunner. Um, or like exists within my current band where uh, the bass player is just, you know, amazing at going out there and, and chasing up all the gigs. But that's a lot of work and energy. So some, there's got to be someone, someone in the band willing to, to do that and take all the, the hard work out of it for, for the other members. Yeah. And then, and then it's got to be the right frequency of, of, of gigging as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got other things going on in, in, in your life, right? So, but it's always the dilemma because if you want to play in a band that's of the standard that you are as a player, generally speaking, they're going to be out there gigging quite a lot. And it's kind of yeah. like, mm, I can't really commit to that. So then you go, well, as, as we've all done, you go, well, okay, then what bands are there out there that are just doing maybe one, two gigs a month that kind of I can slot in around my life? And you look at them and you go, well, there's a reason they're only gigging once or twice a month at best. And that's because, you know, they're not at the standard where they can be out there gigging more than that necessarily. Yeah, exactly uh, that. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to try and get. So when you get it, and you find it, you're kind of like, mm, okay, this is this is good, but it does take energy. It takes time and energy, doesn't it? And that's not Yeah, it does. It's it's for the again, like I said, for the right band, you know, I put the time and energy in. But if I you know, if I was younger and had more time, I'd I'd be happy to to start something from scratch and, you know, have a, a rehearsal or two a week and really try and you know, yeah. m- make something. I just, I haven't, I haven't got the, I haven't got the time, energy or desire to do that. Right. You know, in yeah. my life right now, I've got plenty of things going on, which I enjoy, yeah. you know, um, away from, from music. And yeah, there's no need for it really. But, you know, I do want to play. I want to go to jam mm. nights and take on the occasional depth gig because depth gigs are just, you know, you turn up and play and take, you know, it's, it's just a bit of, yeah. you know, it gets you out and out and about. And it's not the same as being in a band that you love, that you have, have a you know some yeah. kind of ownership over I say ownership I mean you know you, you, you it's a band you're in that you yeah. contribute towards you know the ongoing of it um but but yeah so so that's where I am you know what about you <laughs> how's your how's your week been you've been good yeah yeah week's been week's been good uh well things that have happened this week so kids are back at school now after the summer mm-hmm. holiday so that's all good um <clears throat> uh I went back into the office uh and have started uh, to kind of meet up with with work colleagues now, which after 
So, so where are we now? We are September 21. So mm. we went into lockdown here in the UK, uh, in March of 2020. Mm. And we basically closed our offices and have been working from home since then. So, <clears throat> you know, that's a good year and a half. So is this the where, first time in a year and a half yeah. that you've been back to the office? Y- yeah. We opened but it felt it, like it, a first day at work again, didn't it? I, it was know. like a first day at school. It was like a high school reunion. <laughs> it was, it was all kinds of weird, weird emotions. I mean, it was the most unproductive day of my life in the last 18 months it, I mean we got in there and literally for the first hour and a half I was just chatting and speaking to people and, and catching yeah. up opened up my laptop to maybe do some work and then I think it was probably about four o'clock before I actually sat down and actually tried to do something and then I thought ah you know what traffic's going to start getting a bit rubbish I better get on the road and make, make my hour get a move home. On, yeah. I literally did nothing all day I mean it's fine <laughs> it's fine oh, but it was it, it was more about um <clears throat> seeing people keep, yeah. keeping in touch with people and so yeah so that's so that started again but um we're doing flexible working and stuff now so um yeah. I, I think I'll, i think i'll just do like a couple of days in the office a week and then and then the rest at home because you know what the world uh continued or at least our business continued in in spite of um the, the challenges of, of yeah exactly of the lockdown um, the world didn't continue in many ways. Uh, it was put on pause, but but some businesses did did okay. <clears throat> Thankfully, yeah. Oz, Oz was one of them. So so that's new this week. Uh, yeah, got a gig tomorrow. Uh, just one this weekend, which is uh, good and not too far away. Kind of half an hour from home. So looking forward to that tomorrow. And then a big big family get together on on Sunday coming up. So <clears throat> yeah, so, so a nice weekend in store. Um, but a boat ton of work to do this afternoon uh, after we finished our podcast uh, fun. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's me at the moment. But but all good, man. All, all good. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, can't complain. I'm glad to hear it, buddy. Well, let's 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 get on with our uh, let's get on with our topic for this week, right? Which is yeah. And I realised that that um, we're revisiting a topic here that we did. Uh, it was what episode ten, guitar sports, yeah. which was yeah. can you believe it? Six months ago. So wow. Yeah. So we're, we're getting on a bit, you know, um, we started in January, didn't we? And, you know, we're, we what, we're nine months in. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're nine months in. And we've managed, except for obviously taking a summer break in August to, to we, keep, yeah. you know, an episode coming out every week, which is, which is great. But episode 10, we talked all about guitar practice and mm-hmm. music theory and progressing our skills. And, and um, I think I helped to open your eyes to, you know, a view of music theory and why it is, mm-hmm. I think important. I think guitarists were um, guilty of thinking that music theory is not important because um, it's easier to learn the guitar without needing a background of music theory than it is for some other instruments. Where mm-hmm. you need a, you need a grasp of both as you're learning them to understand things, you know, a little bit more intelligently. Yeah. Guitar, yeah. you can kind of get away without it. So since then, we've had in, in, you know aspirations to improve areas our playing and our understanding. And I thought six months on from that podcast, let's revisit that, see how we've progressed, what we're doing, how maybe our aspirations have changed, how we've improved things that you know we want to do to get better, and maybe mm. have a discussion about about that and and our experiences over the last six months. So let's see where we find ourselves <laughs> so far. <laughs> we, did we make any resolutions? Did we? make any promises or commitments to ourselves because that's what we should definitely that's what we should do uh i I can't remember if we if we went i think what we started to do is set ourselves like weekly challenges and ask each other what we were going to work on this this week and that week and and i think by by and large 
charge. We, we, we did some of that. But now, six months on, I'm thinking maybe we should have made like a really bold commitment back then yeah. six months ago. Maybe, yeah. we should, maybe we should do that today so that in six months time, when we get to episode 65 or whatever, we go, <laughs> right, did we, did we actually achieve, achieve that? Because there's nothing like making something really big and bold and then, yeah. and then saying it out loud and then recording it and putting it on a podcast. <laughs> I think we should make some kind of commitment to... Yeah. Yeah. Not just to, to to achieve a particular goal, but to um, to kind of set a so not just to say learn something in particular, but to maintain a level of commitment to practicing and learning as we go yeah. along. You know, yeah, um, definitely. Because that, definitely. and I've got to say, you know, that, that's the thing for me that's been um, the most sporadic is I have practiced more since we've had that conversation. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. set myself goals, and I still have things defined in my mind that I want to improve on. And I have done things to to improve those things, but what I haven't done is made a regular commitment to doing that. And I think mm-hmm. that's always going to be in any area of your life. The, the, the key the key to success is always going to be consistency. Yeah. And yeah. Um, do you find your do you find you're the same? I mean, when you sit down to play guitar, are you a noodler, or do you sit down sometimes to kind of work on things? Um, you know, are you consistent with your approach? Do you put time to practice aside or, or or what you know what's what's guitar time like for you over the last six months oh mate what, what a great question so <clears throat> what what i would say is um it, it does vary and it depends on how much time i've got to, to kind of t- to do something but the short answer and the honest answer to your question is i'm a noodler right <laughs> for, for sure and and it's and <laughs> We should get that on a t-shirt. We definitely need to. That's another one for the merch, for the merch tent, isn't it? We've created quite a few (laughs) random catchphrases between us accidentally over the last nine months. I'm a noodle is a good one. I'm a noodle. Steve Lucas to do should be another one, maybe. Yeah, what would Steve Lucas (laughs) (laughs) There's a question actually there for our Guitar Sparks listeners. What do you think should be on a Guitar Sparks t-shirt as a, as a slogan? Come up with your merchandise. Ideas, please, and let us know on social Absolutely. media pages. That'd be <laughs> it's good, but it's not Toto. <laughs> I'm on a roll now. I've completely gone off at a tangent, right? Uh, so let, let's, yeah. So I, I, um, like guitar practice for me is one of those weird things now where I still, even after all of our talk. I still haven't built myself like a regular routine. And I think, and I agree with you exactly what you've just said. Like if you want to accomplish something and you want to achieve something like setting a plan, um, and I, and I know it sounds a bit dry and it sounds a bit calculated and, and not as, you know, creatively inspiring as, as you might think it should, but you know, that's how you get really good at anything. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, I think trying to, to strive for that is a good thing. What I would say is the conversations that we had and started six months ago together on this podcast about practicing because we couldn't get out there and play, um, or go to a jam night or, or, or what, mm. what have you meant. We were, we were forced to be in, in our houses with our guitars as our, you know, <clears throat> stream of of releasing you know musical frustrations and therefore there's only so much noodling you could do before it was kind of like well now i'm just wasting time yeah right yeah that that was the feeling that i got like because <laughs> i remember and I, and I spoke about it earlier right when we said right we're locking down the offices and it was march at that point 2020 
And at the time we did that, everyone in the country, really, in similar situations was having conversations like, this this could go on for for maybe three weeks, four weeks, maybe even six weeks. Yeah. We could be just working from home for the next six weeks. That's crazy. And then all of, then quite quickly the conversation starts to be, we might not go back to the offices until June or July. That's insane. And then, you know, that kept we kept setting those milestones, you yeah. know. And then yeah. before before you know, knew it, like months were starting to fly by. So I remember I remember with regards to guitar, you know, trying to balance work and family life and homeschooling and all of that and guitar being there for me as it has throughout my life as a, as a point to, you know, uh, just take my mind off stuff, do other things, you know, it's, it's, it's our, it's our hobbies and passion, right? So, so you, you pick it up and you play. And then I remember thinking to myself, this, I'm starting to waste the opportunity here. And I I don't think I've ever had that, uh, or at least I hadn't had that feeling or that, that, uh, train of thought since I was a teenager or at university where I had an inordinate amount of time on my hands outside of kind of, uh, you know, college work or whatever. Yeah. But it was, you know, it didn't have a, a, a full-time job, didn't didn't have family commitments, didn't have all, all those other kind of things that you get burdened with later in life. So that was probably the the only other point in my life where I would be, I really had a great practice regime and kept pushing myself because to do anything otherwise would, was just like a waste of time. And, and I was just, you know, noodling for the sake of noodling. So, so this lockdown put me back in that position where just one day I just sat there and I went, well, there's always been some songs that you've wanted to do or stop faking your way through them or just sit down and learn them properly. Just make a list and just tick them off. Cause, cause what else are you going to do with your, with your practicing? Yeah. So that, so that's how it started. And then we started this podcast and started chatting about practicing. And, uh, and as you said earlier on in this conversation today, you opened my mind to, I, w- I would say you didn't necessarily open my mind to the, to the importance of theory. Cause I knew it was always important, but you definitely coached me and gave me the confidence to start to tackle it mm-hmm. at this stage again of my life and get over my kind of fears and anxieties. And you demystified a lot of things for me and explained things in a really nice way when I was getting stuck with some bits and pieces that gave me that confidence to go, actually, you know what, I can go back and I can start learning all of this. And I haven't learned all the theory that I'm capable of learning. Yeah. I can I can still learn more and get better. So you definitely did that for me. So then it started to, to progress from there. And I enjoyed quite uh, at least a couple or three months of setting myself goals on a on a weekly basis with that list of songs that I wanted to tackle because we we and again this was another thing that you instilled which was it's always still got to be fun. So if you're going to read a chapter of this book around the major scale and how to apply it across the neck in different positions, great, do that. But then yeah. go and do something really fun that that also is pushing your playing. So it was, so that that kind of worked for a couple of three months, and and I, <clears throat> and I managed to achieve some things that you know I'm I'm, I'm really pleased with. I wouldn't say I got anywhere near to what I hoped I would mm. or got myself into a routine that is now habitual and that is consistent and I do week in week out and I and I and I can talk about the reasons for that you know as we as we go throughout this conversation but that's kind of where I'm at and that's so now mm-hmm. I am still a noodler but I still think from the conversations we've had there's elements where I still try even on a you know, little noodling session 
to just recall and remember and push some of the things that I did learn uh, during my lockdown practice sessions. Interesting. So I was going to ask you about that list of songs as well, because I think we both came to that conclusion, like you say, at the end of the last conversation we had, the podcast Mm -hmm. we did about practicing, where um, I think you have to have an element of uh, learning things that make you feel good as as well as learning things that on paper at least you think should benefit you um, mm-hmm. and I did the same thing where I wanted to learn particular guitar tracks and songs and I've got some playlists actually I've got a playlist on um, on Spotify which is you know guitar solos I want to learn and if I'm listening to music <laughs> and I want to I'd love to be able to play that I put it in that playlist I also have a playlist of you know songs I want to learn the chords to you know so something I really like the sound of the changes and you know things and I think that's mm. interesting it would you know it would be a really um, interesting exercise to sit down and try and work out what all those different inversions are and things like that so I have those playlists and from time to time I'll go through something and try and pull out you know four or six bars of music and try and learn that and transcribe it down in a you know onto paper so that I've got a reference for it and, nice. and I've got to say that is that that process that has been so important um and i don't just mean the learning of of what it is i'm trying to play but the writing down so mm, actually mm. not in not in not like kind of informal kind of notation or anything. notation just give, yeah. you a, give you a kind of an example you know and listeners won't be able to see this because I'm, I'm showing you this but something like something like this where i'm just putting like the, the you know the chords down in in kind of bars so where i'm trying nice. to learn like the turnarounds or something or if i'm doing so some other things where i've been trying to play so kind of you know trying to learn some licks and i'm just it's, you know, it's not properly notated in terms of rhythm or bars or time signatures or key signatures but i'm just trying to write the notes down with an idea of what the rhythms are for certain things so just kind of just trying to do that that's been really key because playing it's one thing but the process of writing it down for me has been key to kind of sinking it into my brain that's what i was going to ask you right because the, the very fact you have that uh, nice little notebook on your desk and you know these aren't random yeah. scrawlings in that notebook you've you've you i mean yeah okay it's not fully notated out on the stage some of it in you no. know in a really formal it's a tab way, it's a little it, tab notebook yeah, so yeah. yeah but it is beautifully written and you've taken the time to write it out really nicely and neatly on each page and and put notes and things i've never i've never done that so yeah mm. talk t- tell us about why that works for you in terms of like a practice uh method what, yeah. rather than just playing it uh to yourself and listening yeah. to it like 50 times until your finger until your finger memory is just like yeah i've got it now there's a there's a, i'd say there's a number of reasons so one of them is for me just my own mental process of being able to transfer that into my information so rather than kind of learning let's say it was a, a guitar solo from a song and it's just maybe four bars of a guitar solo i could sit and listen to that solo and play it um and learn it and and have it under my fingers but mm. for some reason writing it down in the notation and i'm putting some detail detail in there about articulation like hammer-ons mm-hmm. and pull-offs and then looking at it in those little chunks of, of bars helps you to break down the phrases that, are, that make up that solo so now instead of thinking about learning it from beginning to end now I'm looking at it with my eyes rather than listening to it and trying to understand blocks of phrases and that 
Yeah. Writing it out process helps me to break it down and, and learn it differently. And I feel I benefit from that in a number of ways because um, I can process it easier when I'm learning, but I can also kind of assimilate it into my own playing better because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking at these little chunks of playing, you know, each bar and thinking, well, that, that by itself, you know, can now go into my pocket of improvisation licks, you know, you know, uh, so you, yeah. you kind of, it helps you to build your repertoire yeah. Of your own things a little a little bit. Yes. Yeah. But also I think it's it's um it's good discipline to mm. to write things down and, and have a visual look at how um at how you're playing something or how something mm-hmm. is is to be played. Um another thing that's good to do is to sometimes try and transcribe something down as you're listening to it mm-hmm. and then see if you're correct when you try and then play <laughs> the tab. Because mm. it you know, it, that's good ear training as well. So I just think it's you know, I think it's a good practice to do is, is to to, to try and transcribe things down, even things you already know how to play, mm-hmm. maybe transcribe it down and and look at it. And another thing that's important about that is one of the things I try to do is I try and write the chords over the bar that I'm playing the solo to. So if yeah. I'm transcribing, yeah. uh, you know, um, Kid Charlemagne or something by Steely Dan, it's important in that song to write the chords above the bar that you're writing the solo to, because mm. then you can you can really see how those notes um, how, how they're chosen against the chords because if yeah. it's a guitarist that's playing against changes you know and who is um, you know trying to accentuate the chords that you're playing over rather than just play licks from a scale and yeah. when you transcribe that you should be trying to transcribe it with that in that understanding alongside it rather than just rote learning the, the solo to something so that's been really key over the last six months for me mm. in, in practicing if I'm learning something of somebody else's um, writing it down and transcribing it is I'd say it even speeds up the process of learning because mm-hmm. again like breaking mm-hmm. it down into bars you know just say to yourself I'm going to learn the first two bars I'm going to write I'm going to make space in my book here for two bars worth of transcription and I'm going to learn it and write it down and then play it over and over and over those just yeah. those two bars breaking it down so that is yeah that's definitely key for me that's something and that's something you've never done uh, I mean yeah I've used I've definitely used tab uh uh, to 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 help me uh, kind of learn new songs and there I, I as you were talking I was I was kind of thinking yeah yeah you're right I, I've I've noticed when I'm trying to learn a piece uh, there is a difference obviously in the way it, I assimilate the information or what I'm doing if versus if I'm just learning it by ear mm-hmm. from listening to it versus learning it by listening and looking at the tab as to what's going on and then trying to play it. it there's some, there is something different in that. And um, I, I, I've kind of experienced that, but I've never uh, sat down and written out the tab myself to learn a piece. In fact, I'm trying to think if I've ever sat down and written out tab ever. No. I, if, if I'm if I'm trying to learn a song, I will quite often um, write down the chords and, mm. uh, and the chords mm-hmm. on the chord sequence. I'll quite often do that yeah. because oftentimes I just like to learn it by listening to it. So mm. I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll write out the chords um, over what I often do is I get the, the lyrics and I just print yeah. off the lyrics and I, and I go, right, 
come on, you, you don't need to go and look up the chords for this. Do, yeah. it, do, it, do it yourself, right? Yeah. Unless you get really super stuck and it's some weird inversion or something. So I often do that because mm-hmm. I, I like to, A, challenge myself, but I think it just helps me commit it to memory more if I'm listening, trying to identify the chord, then physically writing it down and seeing that chord sequence. There's something about my brain that it can almost take a photograph of that page with the lyrics and and see the chords. And, and that I find easy enough to do, but never with individual notes for like a solo or something. That is yeah. always... Um, that is done in uh, much in a, in a similar way to what you're describing, but in my head where I'll have memorized the chord sequence and then mm. know which, you know, minor or major pentatonic in my case to apply <laughs> at, the, at, at the right moment for yeah. those, for those changes. Right. So, but that's as sophisticated as, as, as it gets seeing, seeing your notebook there and how you're applying that to your learning. That's, that's a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, really interesting to see how that works for you. Well, it's, it's, another thing it does for me is it slows me down in a good mm. way. Slows me mm. down if I'm trying to learn, um, you know, a particular part or piece. If I'm not, if I'm trying to write it down, mm. it's not just solidifying the information because I'm writing it in, and I'm having to process it in a way so that I can write it. But it's slowing me down. I'm not going through everything too quickly. I'm not mm. trying to learn. Oh, I've got an eight bar solo to learn for this song for a wedding, whatever. I'm not going to sit down and go, well, I need to learn that whole solo from beginning to end. I'm thinking, I'm, well, I'm notating this as I go along. So I'm, I'm, I, there's no way I can notate more than half a bar to a bar at a time mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm having to slow my learning process down f- to, to transcribe something which yeah. is good because that means I'm taking the information in at a more palatable pace rather that makes than- sense uh, you know, so that so there's byproducts I think to doing transcribing. Even if you know, sometimes I'll try to transcribe something and go, "Well, I'm, that part there is is probably not the right thing that's being played. It, mm. It's good enough for me, but it still helps in the process." So that's that's mm. really been key for me. So, good but I, I'm kind of the good same tips. as you. I'm I'm a noodler. I'm definitely a noodler rather than somebody who sits down and practices properly. I have to have, I have to be giving myself a real um, kind of target, or I have to have something that I have to learn for a gig to really focus in on something but there have been times over the past six months where I've tried to give myself you know real practice targets um, working with a metronome to do things in time that's something um, I realise I've lost quite a lot since not being in a band full time is a good um, kind of not appreciation but uh, I feel like I've lost my ability to sense time well in music you know if I'm trying to play rhythm guitar at home along with a metronome if I'm trying to if I'm trying to kind of do because I've been trying to work on my picking speed that's something I've mentioned a yeah. couple of times right so if I'm doing like 16th notes over a you know like like you know over mm-hmm. a, over a steady beat um, if I set a metronome and try and do that you know doing kind of like just a, a little run uh, a little repeating four note pattern I find myself coming in and out of time I, mm-hmm. uh, you know I'll hear myself oh I'm a little bit behind the metronome and I'll speed up and then oh I'm a little bit ahead and I'm fine I've, I've noticed I've found it hard to lock into time. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because, you know, if, you, if you've never really worked with a metronome, but most of the time you've been playing with a drummer or another human being, then yeah. you have a tendency to come in out and in out of time exactly. to move tempos. I mean... <laughs> When we Drummers were in Roadrunner, metronomes. Yeah. <laughs> when we were in Roadrunner, our drummer then would just be like, you'd be 20 BPM faster by the end of any song, you know. It was, it was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, 
Um, but yeah, so so that's something I've been I've been uh, realizing over the last six months as well as when I am working on technique or practicing, um, doing it to a metronome is equally frustrating and important. Yeah. Um, but again, good for good for slowing you down. Again, if you need to learn something that's a little bit too out of your reach speed wise or frustrating, there's a key thing that I've always done, which is I tend to if I don't slow things down and learn th- learn things carefully, I end up learning the mistake that I make. Yeah. Have you ever done yeah. that? When when I when yeah. I said earlier uh, faking my way through <laughs> pieces. Right? Yeah. That's exactly the, the 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 correct explanation of what that what that is. And that was a light bulb moment for me in the practicing that I've done over the last 6 months after decades of being a guitarist and you know playing to a decent enough standard but mm. my impatience to learn something and my desire to go well I know I can play at that speed that that guitarist is playing it's not like a a, a, a playing speed that is beyond my capability it's yeah. not like something that Vi is doing where I just go wow that's just going to take forever to, to build up to that speed um, where I go well then then I should just learn it at that speed and the consequence of that is that the note choice sometimes and my own impatience means there's the odd note here or there that isn't quite right it's not a bum note but it's not it's just not yeah. quite right and so you kind of fake it through and it, and you know 80% of it's there and for most people it's good enough but when you listen back to the recording it's some of those one or two notes there you go ah yeah they they re- they're really key because they do add something to that piece and i'm i'm skipping over those in some way because of whatever whatever reason so learning some of the pieces that i've been doing and and defaking some of the pieces that i already know has required me to slow down those pieces mm. and learn them at a lesser speed so that the notes i'm playing are right and then working up to full speed which as you say, requires a discipline, uh, but it's definitely more rewarding and not as boring as yes. I thought it was going to be. Because my impatience comes from get, getting getting bored and thinking that mm-hmm. this is just I'm, I'm wasting my time with it. But it's not actually. When you do that, just play it through slower a few times, mm. uh, and yeah, all of a sudden, and when you try to build up to speed, it's there, and you go, ah, I've got it, and it's and it's so much more rewarding. Absolutely, completely agree. Yeah. It's learning. Yeah. Learning something tends to always be a process of learning it incorrectly and then spending time correcting it, rather than just learning it correctly. Because yeah. of that yeah. exact thing, because you try and almost—I mean, maybe it's not the same for you, but for me, it's almost like I'm trying to bite off more than I can chew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you yeah. come up, you're trying to kind of, you know, make a way of doing something um, to get through the learning process, and yeah. then you realise afterwards, well, if I just do this properly, that'll yeah. sound better. Yeah. But the problem I have now is on, you know, untangling something first before That's I it. kind of insert that correct thing That's into it. what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And you just kind of make it worse for yourself. So, you, know, you do. You do. You, because you try and play both things. You try and yeah. play the mistakes that you're making because your fingers <laughs> want to do that. And then you try and play the bit that is correct and try and overlay them in some way yeah. so that it then becomes right. But actually the way to do it is erase that 
bit in entirety from your from your memory and from your fingers and just just kind of learn it correctly slowly and build it up but it's a really difficult thing to do once you've already learned it completely <laughs> like wrong the first That's time it. why does your brain do that it's interesting it's interesting kind of to think about it in a way that you know it's like you're fighting against you know the way the human brain works half the time when you're learning things <laughs> yeah yeah having an awareness of it before the fact though understanding yes. how you learn things and understanding where your challenges are in learning helps you to make better choices when you're learning though i think that's probably that might be the most profound thing i've i've come to understand over the last six months of for the first time in a long time of trying to develop um a way of practicing and learning things uh, that i haven't done before is you have to really understand um your own abilities as a learner you know how mm. how, how do you learn things the best are you a mm. good listener do you, do you know do you need things visually do you need to plan things ahead? You know, how do you learn the best and planning how you're then going to do some practice supporting that in the way you practice is definitely key to success. The things that I've done well over the last six months have been things that I've spent time to do mm -hmm. well in a way that I know I learn things. My learning style, you know, is kind of the most, the best supported. And those things that I haven't learned well have been, you know, rushed last minute before gigs and not taking the time to really plan it properly yeah. so yeah but that's what happens isn't it and that yeah it's not it's not maybe sometimes a conscious decision always to be impatient or it's not even laziness it's out of necessity i think that i've developed a bad approach to learning mm. over the years because invariably it's been to to join a band and and come up to speed with a set list really quickly or do a depth gig mm -hmm. uh, for a band where you kind of know the songs but you know not not brilliantly so you go back and you just refresh yourself on them but you're learning like blocks of songs you know in 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 a short space of time so the way my brain works and to stop myself having a complete kind of you know anxiety panic attack because invariably i always leave it a little bit too late before mm -hmm. the, the gig itself to kind of to, to, to learn them is you know you kind of you kind of listen through each one and you go okay which ones have i got in the bag and i know great yeah that, 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 those ones are fine they're done and then which ones do i need to learn and you go through it and it's almost a case of right how how can i learn it as quickly as possible to be able to get through that song in a gig it's yeah. like level one of learning it yeah right okay cool I, I know the chord sequence now and i can i can play through it great then how do i learn all the intricacies of it and like then do i need to is it a, is it an iconic enough solo in it where i need to learn the solo note for note or can i improvise the solo to a point where it's it's possible and all of those things are kind of like spectrums of how much time have i got to learn this song before the before the day it needs to be played and then when you scale that up to having to learn 15 songs for a set and then 35 mm. songs because you've got to learn two sets and, a, and, and an encore amount you know they just aren't there isn't enough time so it creates a it creates mm. a bad way of well it's not really practicing is it it's it's like learning songs to, to get out there and gig but it's not really truly practicing something no yeah uh, you're right you're trying you're to talking about yeah you're trying to kind of um you're trying to make the the work you have to do fit the time you have to do it and then that has an effect right. on the quality of work that you do doesn't it you know um it does the detail does. and the devil's in the detail and a lot of these things and i i tend to find if it i have to really learn is. a first dance for someone 
I feel under yeah. a lot of pressure to really get it right, especially if it's a song with a very particular guitar part. And I, I, I always, regardless of what other songs I might have to learn, if there's a first dance, I always learn it in a way that I know means that things go in, which is to, um, you know, listen to the song, learn the individual parts, and then I'll write them down in like an arrangement so I can listen to the song and go, right, I know it's going into a pre-chorus now after eight bars or whatever, and, and I can follow it through and then I go, okay, yeah, right, so what I, the arrangement I've written out is exactly what's being played. So I'm going to, now I've learnt my parts, I'm going to play along with the song following that arrangement and I get to the end of the song and go, I'm right. It's almost like you're verifying yourself each step along the way. I think, okay, I've played mm-hmm. each section correctly and I've played them all in the right order because I've written it out. So I'm going to do that a few times. And and then you kind of start building confidence, you know, mm-hmm. and then I put mm-hmm. the arrangement to the side where I can't see it and I do play yeah. over the song two or three times and then I kind of get to a point where I go, okay, I know this now. I'm playing my parts correctly. I know what sections are coming next. Mm-hmm. The pressure's gone now because I don't I don't feel like yes. I'm going to turn up to this gig and about to ruin <laughs> somebody's first dance because I've, I've followed yeah. a process yeah. of learning a song. But that might take yeah. an hour and like you say, if you don't have much time to learn 30 songs or 40 songs for a new band, then you're not going to do that same process, are you? You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to kind of say to yourself, well, what's, the, what's an acceptable, you know, maybe I learn verse, chorus and, you know, middle section. I yeah. don't worry about the arrangement because I'm going to follow the singer. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn yeah. the exact arrangement so I can play along without making a mistake. I'm just going to learn those parts, yeah. the key. Um, I know there's a solo there, so I'll improvise a solo for that section and try yeah. and do something similar to the original right next That's song it. so you kind of yeah. it's, it's like there's, a, there's an acceptable amount of failure in the system that you're you're willing to totally to let remain and, right? and a willingness for the band to tolerate that for, yeah. the, for a certain number of gigs that's right it, yeah and 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 so that's i guess that's been my practice regime of late is in my in my head getting it where first few gigs is exactly as you described and then it's a case of then revisiting each song in the set list going okay right yeah. now that is an iconic solo let's learn it note for yeah, note yeah exactly right or or that is a really important additional you know piece that the rhythm guitar is doing mm-hmm. which you know just happens on that particular verse as a little little piece of uh, whatever um let's make sure i, I learn that because i've just been skipping over yeah. that and the audience w- won't notice but it's kind of nice to chuck it in there so Gig by gig, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to go back and see how I can finesse and refine some of the, some of the songs so that yeah. they, you know, um, but, uh, but it's an interesting as one, one as well. And I was kind of mulling over this and it's an interesting conversation I need to have with, with some of the guys in the band, which is like for some of the, for some of the songs, they have iconic guitar solos. And that to yeah. me is, is like, they've got to be learned note for note. Exactly. And, I, and, I, and I've done that for those, but it's also quite subjective, I guess, to, 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 to individuals, right? Because that's my view on which solos are iconic mm. to me. But for some, some others in the band, like they may have a different view on some of those songs and which, which ones are iconic. So do I then get to a stage where I'm learning every single solo for 40 odd songs, note for note, mm. as per the record? Arguably, if you're in a covers band, yeah, you probably should do that. Mm. But again, I find that, I find that quite dull and I find that quite limiting. Yeah, I agree. Cause I don't want to be playing, I don't want to be playing something exactly the same every single gig. Uh, especially with the frequency of gigs that we're we're doing, I kind of want to be able to put my own creative yeah. like stamp on a on a solo and 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 do some improvised solos. Provided, it, as I said, it's a song that hasn't got such an iconic solo that to do anything other than that would be sacrilege. So, 
Anyway, I've got I, I've gone off on another tangent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask actually, what what do you think? Um, you know, because I, I immediately when you said that about learning iconic solos, that you know, there, there immediately a few pop into my brain of you know that I would always learn to play correctly um, for gigs like um, Sweet Child of Mine. Obviously, for me, you, 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 no, that has yeah. to be played. That's an iconic part of yeah. the song. I wouldn't improvise Agreed. a separate solo for any of the guitar parts yes. that are in that. Whether it's um, the main big crescendo at the end, you know, things like that. Um, One of the songs that's in the set with the wedding band is Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. So I always play the Brian May solo for that. But but to be fair, anything that's a Queen song with a Brian May solo, it should be the Brian May solo because he crafts his solos. They're always... He does. It's like the complimentary to to the the singing. Yeah. And he said in an interview recently online with uh, Rick Beato when they were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, he said he's always viewed the guitar solo as, you know, the singer's handing you the baton and you've got to carry the melody for the song in one way or another or you add to it and then you hand it back over. That's the way he's always viewed it rather than some kind of, you know, widdly guitar section that you just do what you want and shred with. He sees it is complimentary to the melody and you can hear that in anything you can hear that any Queen song I've ever done it's always been I've always learned the solo to because you have to Brian Master and because you could probably uh, hum or whistle or sing that solo yeah before you've even learned it because exactly. they are so iconic I, I mean the way he's described it one it's really annoying because that's exactly what he's done with his solos which means it's <laughs> deliberate and he's he's massively <laughs> achieving what he set out to do as a philosophy yeah. and on every single song so that's just yeah. annoying because you know no one, no one likes to show off but you know he deserves it I mean <laughs> no one likes to show off <laughs> uh, no he's awesome he's absolutely awesome and and, and, and again definitely sits squarely in that camp of if you're going to learn the guitar solo by Queen yeah or if you're going to if you're going to play a Queen song the guitar solo's got to be verbatim it just has to be it has to be it has to be he's that's that's he's a legend what a legend he is great great guitarist he's such an unorthodox style you know compared to other people in terms of his Mm. you know melodic development and how he how he creates those souls you just think of Bohemian Rhapsody and you think there's no way anyone could have improvised something um, as good as that I mean that is just a beautiful melody that he's playing Um, only Brian May really I think could have come up with something like that learning his stuff is it's it's not too challenging but it's just it's great to kind of you know just sit there and learn those different licks and things that he does and and you okay that's that's a, that's a neat way of doing things yeah, yeah. I think we're kind of circling back to the same conclusion that we had six months ago here, which is <laughs> learn the stuff you love. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. A, but I think the extra thing I've 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 learned is as a is learn the things you love, but in a way that supports your learning style. That, mm. that helps to get the most out of the things that you know you're trying to achieve as a guitarist. You're not just trying to learn the song; you're trying to take in information and you know mm. look at the perspective of the artist that you're listening to and think about well what information do they have that I don't that may, means they made this choice why they're making those choices over these chords and I think if you can learn things that way I think that's a sort of a step up from maybe the way we do things now or have done things historically yeah I think that's a really nice summary mate I think it really is but 
I, I will say the last six months has, and the conversations that we've had on this subject have definitely been some of the most important uh, around the subject. And I, because they've changed my approach to it after so many years of just doing things the same way. So mm. uh, the other thing I would say around this is, well, w- we spoke about it, didn't we? Which is if you can, uh, you know, get a, get a teacher um, because even if you think you've learned all you want to learn or, or all you want to learn or need to learn to kind of teach yourself forevermore, mm-hmm. just having just having somebody that you can converse around this with and who can put little pointers and tips and things to send you off in a new direction is really useful. If you can't get a teacher, just chat to, to, to other musicians and other guitarists around this. And I did a lot of that during lockdown as well. Yeah. Uh, and that that really helped. Uh, one, it helped me overcome some of the nervousness and anxiety, but it also helped to demystify things. And it also helped me realize that everyone is on their own little journey with, uh, trying to get better. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's a journey that will never reach its end destination necessarily. Just kind of enjoy it. And some days you'll make more progress and others, others you'll just have a noodle. Yeah, man, that is so true. That's an important thing to remember. Really good point there, mate. You know, some days you don't, achieve what you want to but you just you need to tell yourself other days that you, that you will and you know yeah. look forward to, yeah. to a day like that so yeah let's let's wrap up then on some some points so goals what are you what yeah. are you going to work on we have this conversation again in six months time yeah what do you imagine you would like to be telling me about what you've achieved since this podcast it's mm. a really good question I'd like to be able to... Sweet pick. <laughs> I had a go at that once. I learned one A minor arpeggio and uh, then played it like for an entire 24 hours and convinced myself that I, I'd completed sweet picking. So moved on to something else. I can, I can still, I can still, that's the only thing I can sweet pick is that one, one little arpeggio I learned when I was like 18. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it kind of, it kind of, I kind of said to myself, well, if I wanted to, I understand enough about the basic principles of sweet picking now. I, I don't. I, no. I love one arpeggio. <laughs> <laughs> one arpeggio does not, does not make, make it completed and learned. But I don't know. It's just never something that I've been massively into uh, no. when I hear others do it. Um, but uh, so it's not that. It's no. not sweet picking. I've never had an aspiration to be, <laughs> to be incredible at sweet picking. Um, but uh, yeah, it is cool. It is cool. It's just not massively for me. Um, I would like to be able to find a way to balance and uh, carve out time as, as, as ever, as ever has it been right where I can't seem to find a way to do both. So during lockdown, when I wasn't out and gigging, mm-hmm. I had my list of songs to work through. I had little pointers from you each week, right? Yeah. Now you've learned your major scale. Now go and do this <laughs> or now, now go and do that. And I go, yeah, all right, I'll go and do that. And, 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 I, and off I'd go and do it. And then as soon as it got into the, the rhythm of um, joining a new band, learning through a set list, getting out there and gigging every weekend, it then becomes a case of, well, that is now 
my gigging time and the hour or so I have before I'm packing up my gear to go out on a gig is where I'll sit down there and go, okay, what didn't work well on the last gig that I want to fix, you know, that I want to tweak. Let's, let's, let's kind of sort that out before tonight's gig. So tonight's gig, I I can feel more confident when we get to that change or that, or that solo or whatever. So that now becomes my little bit of weekly practice or tweaking to my playing, which again, it's just finessing stuff that I'm already out there and playing and then you get into the vein of kind of learning new songs for the band and trying to you know change up the set list and stuff so i if although i am playing infinitely more and regularly and using all my gear and enjoying you know playing different gear and settings and pedals and all of that which is brilliant i'm actually finding that the last particularly couple of months of being out there and properly properly gigging now lockdowns over have meant that my actual discipline of practice and sitting down and pushing myself to learn more theory or learn more uh, across the fretboard has has decreased and i can't find seem to find a way yeah. to do both um, because my, my energy and bandwidth for, you know, spending that time on a guitar is all taken up now by, by playing in the band. So, uh, but that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. The challenge is now to find a way to do that because it's going to get to the point where all I'm playing is those same 40 songs. Okay. We'll, we'll add in a new song here and there as, yeah. as the months go by, but it's, and I don't want to get into that habit of that's all that that's all I'm playing on guitar is those same 40 songs yeah. uh, week in, week out, because A, then I'll lose touch with all, all of the stuff that I've learned during lockdown and the, the, the new songs that I've tried to build mm-hmm. into my playing because they're not part of this band set list. And B, it will just mean that I'm, I'm, I'm no longer thinking consciously about what I'm playing because it will then just become so habitual. Yeah. Muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the, st- I'm still at the stage with these songs where I'm still trying to apply some of what I'm playing back to some of the theory that I've learned. Yeah. So I'm understanding it more, but that will, that will stop. I'll stop caring about doing that because it's just out there to play. So very long answer as per usual from me, mate. But that, <laughs> if I, if I'm honest, that's what I've got to try and figure out how to do now is how to, yeah. how to play in, play in a band and carve out separate time for, for, for practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, I, and I don't know how to build that routine yet. Well, yeah, I think I think you. That's a difficult one to solve. My my suggestion might be to find a way to combine the two. So, if you're learning a song for the band, try and analyze it musically whilst you're learning yeah. it. Try and think, well, what are the actual chords? So, I'm learning a song that's got the chords, you know, A, D, and E in it. I know mm. this is in A major. You know, if it's got the chords A, B, and E in it, I know this is in E major. Even if it starts on the, yeah. you know, try and do, do some analysis of yeah. of the songs you're learning maybe and try and yeah. com- try and com- find ways to combine the work until you get to yeah. a point when you get to a point where all the songs you know and you don't have to do any practice or relearning mm. or anything like that and then you know when I'm at home the, when I'm playing guitar I'm practicing for me to do certain things That's technique it. or knowledge and when I'm gigging I That's already it. know the stuff I need to know and it's and it's fine I don't need to worry That's about a nice, it That's a nice milestone to set actually Yeah Get all, get all of those main Stay songs in the set list, 
up to a point where I'm really happy with them. So I'm yeah. not conscious about any of the, the complexity, complexities of them at a gig. Yeah. And then I can just go back to guitar playing at home can be then just for me and practicing rather than yeah. thinking about stuff I need to finesse for the next gig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. Good advice, mate. What, what about you? You've been doing all kinds of different things, but the latest thing I've been hearing you talk a lot about is improving your picking speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't consider you a slow player, but you know. Uh. <laughs> well, no, I, I, and you're right. I, I do have I do have a bit of speed up the old sleeve, you know, but not in a, um, you know, in a, in a bluesy way, you know, like a bluesy pentatonic mm. run, which I still, you know, I love doing that. But there are things that I listen to as a fan that I enjoy listening to that I can't play, and it's purely just that. It's purely just I want to be able to play some of the things that um, I enjoy listening to and and mm. expand my technique and and thinking of people like you know eric johnson yeah. you know um you know people like even joe bonamassa obviously he's got quite a lot of picking speed and anybody really who i'm not thinking shred well, or metal or yeah. anything like that i'm just thinking some people just have a little bit more capability in terms of speed um and i just want to build that technique but it's, it's mm. it takes a lot of patience i've actually purchased some learning material online by a guy called marcus miller who has got a, got a course yes. on um picking speed um that he recently released and um i haven't started it yet um because over the last few months anytime i've been sat i've sat down to play and learn guitar i've been learning mm. or going over songs for these wedding gigs um but i want to pick that up and start working through it methodically and slowly and bit by bit not expecting too much from the beginning but just trying to trust the material um Sometimes when you're trying to learn something from a book or from, um, you know, a course that you can, you know, effectively follow within a book, you might sometimes think, well, the first three or four chapters here, it doesn't really, I'm not gaining anything because I know this stuff and it's mm. hard to have patience with it and you might not start at the right point. And I think I need to just tell myself, just start from the beginning, forget what you can or can't do. Just just yes. learn the material until you're satisfied with your capability and trust the course that you're doing. And no matter what time it takes, if I do that I should be able to get to the end of it with an improved capability so so that's what I want to do but I also want to um I don't want to neglect my kind of harmony knowledge as well so we spoke of, like six months ago about learning the major scale and how it's mm -hmm. harmonized and how that informs a lot of modern music and I've you know I'm, I feel I know that really well I always have that was something I worked hard on when I was in music college but what I didn't work hard on is those other scales like the melodic minor scale and the harmonic minor scale that harmonize differently, you know, the, the, the different scales to, you know, the scales and modes that come from the major scale, which most mm -hmm. modern music's based on. And I've never learned those well. And I know a lot of the music that I do listen to leans on that slightly, especially like jazzy blues stuff that I like listening to, like mm -hmm. Robin Ford mm -hmm. or Josh Smith. You know, a lot yeah. of the stuff they lean on tends to be from melodic minor. or, And I don't know that well enough, not just from a, you know, I understand the scale and how it's different to the major scale, but uh, it harmonizes differently. So some chords that you, you might hear, you know, um, you know, like sharp 11s and different things, altered chords, they're harmonized from these different different scales and I don't know that area of music well enough. So I want to spend, you know, if we have this conversation in six months time, I want to be able to say to you that I've improved my picking speed and capability. Oh, and I, and I really understand the melodic, melodic minor scale, its modes and how it harmonizes better. And I can hear that and understand it better in my ear as well. That's what I want to be able to say. Wow. wow so that's a big, hairy goal. It's a goal. big, hairy goal, that. actually. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. No, but that's within your capabilities because of all of the theory knowledge that you already have. So I don't think that's a massive leap for you as much as it sounds. Uh, that's 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 cool, man. That's really good that you've defined it. Well, so fingers clearly. crossed. You know, <laughs> just need to plan. Just need to plan it a little bit. Just try yeah. and fit yeah. a bit of time in to to really uh, you know focus on certain areas when when practicing mm. and not just kind of go. Well, I've got half an hour to practice now. What shall I do? I should be planning that yeah. time a bit better. Um, or having some, you know, maybe the first few weeks, the time that I have to spend practicing, instead I'll use that time to plan practice sessions. And then I can have a stack of tasks to do for half an you know, do you know what I mean? Maybe plan it a bit better for a while before I start a routine of practicing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah, nice. Is, is that like having a uh, having a meeting about a meeting you're so going to have? have a, yeah, exactly that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have an internal kickoff meeting first about my practice sessions. <laughs> No, uh, it, it, it does make sense. Yeah. It does make sense. Uh, it's it, it's like it's like what I did, uh, uh, albeit much more sophisticated. Where I literally sat there one day and just said, "I'm going to just write down the songs that I just want to learn, yeah. and then at least I've committed to th- this is what yeah. I'm going to try and do." Yeah. So when I go to do some practice, I'm not thinking, "Oh, what shall I do?" It's like just pull out the list. Yeah. There it is. You've already mapped. You've already mapped it yeah. out. You've already had a, had, had a had a chat to yourself. Do that. <laughs> so yeah, I am with you. I'm being I'm being cheeky, but yeah, it, that's I, I get I get what you're saying. Totally, totally. A to do list. Map out your to do list exactly. and how you're going to do it. Oh. Right, nice. dude. Nice. I've got to wrap it up, um, but this has been fantastic revisiting, practicing, revisiting the things yeah, you need to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I look forward to having this conversation again in, in, uh, in six months' time. Brilliant. Likewise, buddy. <laughs> Good luck with the practicing. Absolutely. I'll speak to you next week. Have a cracking weekend. Enjoy your gig. Yeah. And you, uh, love to the family. Cheers, I'll speak pal. to you soon. Yeah, likewise. All Cheers, the best, buddy. Speak soon, buddy. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Remember to come and find us on our social media pages at Facebook and Instagram. If you want to buy some merch, you can click on the link in our description to to go to our Etsy store to get some merchandise, or you can buy us a coffee if you want to. Uh, Follow the link for buymeacoffee.com forward slash guitar smarts. That would be really helpful if you did want to support the show. Um, Otherwise, uh, thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll see you again soon. Take care.